the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My brothers and sisters, You can clap louder. You can do better than that. All right. Today, my brothers and sisters, we celebrate one of the most important, most powerful events in all of human history. God became a man. God became a human. Now, the technical word for this is incarnation. Now, don't lose me. Stay with me. I know that's a big word, okay? Let's say it together. Incarnation. Incarnation. Very good. Okay. So, the word incarnation simply means the divine becomes flesh. God takes on flesh. And so, today... We celebrate, yes, God taking on flesh, but God still takes on flesh, and He does it in three different ways. Today, we celebrate the first way that God takes on flesh. Today, we celebrate the actual event of God 2,000 years ago taking on the flesh from the Virgin Mary and becoming human. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, if you really think about it this way, and it's really awesome to think about, that God, because now He has taken flesh, He has a human body for all of eternity. Think about it this way. Before Jesus took on flesh, He was completely spirit. He had no body. He was not a human. Now, after Christmas, after entering into this world, He has a body for all of eternity. And so he did this. You may be wondering, like, okay, so why? Why would God leave his throne in heaven and become a human and be stuck with a human body for all of eternity? We can actually one day see Jesus in the flesh. God in the flesh. Why would he do this? Well, there's one answer, my brothers and sisters. God descended and humbled himself, abased himself so low to become a human being because he wanted to capture, he wanted to rescue us because we were captured. We were captured by who? By Satan. And when Adam and Eve had turned away from God and invited, invited evil into the world, what happened is we became we became under the dominion of the devil. And that's why, my brothers and sisters, if you look around today, it's not hard to see evil everywhere. All you got to do is turn on the TV, right? And it seems like that evil just seems to increase each and every day. It kind of worries me a little bit. I don't know about you guys. And so Jesus, after that, knowing what we had done and how we have invited evil into the world, and not only that, we were shut out of heaven. And our only destination after death was hell. So God was not okay with having heaven without us. God was willing to go to the extreme because He didn't want heaven without us. So He went to the extreme and became a human, became one of us to redeem and to undo what you and I had done in sin. One of the greatest, most difficult, most painful wounds that came from Adam and Eve's fall 
was the wound that was created in our heart that tells us that God has abandoned us. I don't know about you guys. I don't know. I'll be honest. There are times where it can seem as though, God, where are you? We look at the world. We look at the people suffering. We look at ourselves and our own suffering. We may wonder, God, have you abandoned humanity? Well, where are you? That, my brothers and sisters, was one of the side effects, one of the effects of the fall. And so Jesus wanted to prove to us that he has never abandoned us. Maybe we turned away from him, but God has never and will never abandon humanity. And so he became a human. He took on flesh. He couldn't get any closer to humanity than to become one of us. And so... Yes, that happened 2,000 years ago, but that same God taking on flesh is happening in a second way now today. It's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. God is still taking on flesh to prove to us that He has never abandoned us. How? Today, He's still doing that. How do you guys think He's doing that? In the Eucharist. Very good. God is still taking on flesh. He's still leaving His throne in heaven entering into a tiny little piece of bread to show us that He never leaves us. That God is willing to go to the extreme just like He did by becoming a human, a tiny little baby. I mean, a baby is vulnerable and weak. In the same way He does that in the Eucharist. Tiny, vulnerable, weak. He allows us, His creatures, to hold him, the Creator, in our own hands. In Holy Communion, just to prove to us, my brothers and sisters, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm here with you. That's what the angels said, right? The angels say that this child is Emmanuel, which translates, God with us. And so, my brothers and sisters, God is still with us. And to prove to us that He's still with us in the Eucharist, and I know that the Eucharist is kind of sometimes difficult to believe in. I mean, this is God we're talking about, the Creator. In a tiny piece of bread, many of us struggle with that belief. Many of us still, yeah, we do believe. Many of us today do believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. However, I really believe that our faith in the Eucharist, Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist, is something that needs to continue growing. You can never believe enough in the Eucharist. It's something that needs to continue to grow. And so to help our faith grow in that way, God has performed miracles over the centuries, Eucharistic miracles, to show us humans who need to see sometimes that this is really Him. One of the most popular is uh, in the city of Lanciano in the 1100s. Um, uh, a monk was celebrating Mass and... Maybe we, can, maybe we can relate to this monk. In the middle of Mass, as he was celebrating Mass, he thought to himself, I don't, I don't know if I really believe that this is actually really Jesus. Like, I don't know if this is really God. He doubted Jesus' presence in the Eucharist. When he put the host down, the host all of a sudden just began to transform into five human pieces of flesh that are still intact today. You can literally go to the city of Lanciano and see this. To continue 
helping us and throughout the century. Another Eucharistic miracle is something that happened a little bit more recent in 1996 in the city of Buenos Aires. This happened, another miracle happened where a host, piece of ordinary bread, all of a sudden turns into human flesh. Now the church, of course in her wisdom, doesn't just say, oh, okay, yeah, great, here's another miracle. The church spends tons and tons of time and money to investigate by scientists. And usually the church will choose non-Catholic or even non-believers to do these investigations. And so when they did the investigations on Lanciano and on Buenos Aires, they found the reports show that the reports are actually connected to the same exact person. One happened in the 1100s and one happened in 96, okay? They also show scientists, not knowing what this is even all about, and actually one of them being an atheist, they also say that what the, what the studies show is that the pieces are real human flesh with real human DNA. They are from the muscle of the heart that gives the heart its beat, gives the heart its life. It is real human DNA of AB blood type, and it's, and it's the, uh, the blood of a man originated in the Middle East. And they also found white blood cells, white, real white blood cells, which white blood cells are only shown with a person that's actually alive. So at the time of doing these studies, what they notice is that there's real white blood cells in the study, which shows that at the time of the studies, the flesh is alive. This is a real living human. So, my brothers and sisters, God knows that sometimes we need help and our faith needs to grow. So he gives us these, these miracles. And many of us might be saying, Oh, Father, I know. I believe in the Eucharist. You know, I come to Mass. I do believe in the Eucharist. But my question is today, if, if we truly really with our whole entire hearts, we're convinced and convicted that that is really truly Jesus in the Eucharist, would we only come to Mass once a week? For some of us, would we only come to Mass once or twice a year? Would we only come to visit Jesus in the Eucharist in adoration maybe once or twice a month? If we truly, my brothers and sisters, believe that that is actually really truly God made present in the flesh, in the Eucharist, I believe that our churches would never shut down day and night. So our faith, my brothers and sisters, including myself, in the Eucharist has to continue to grow. Because Jesus wants to literally not just be with us, but to literally live inside of us. He wants to bring heaven here into our hearts and into our lives. And so, you see this, the, the story. Very, God is very particular with his details. It says that Jesus was placed in a manger. The, word, the, the root word of manger is manja. Manja means food, to eat. And so, a manger is literally a box where the animals would eat from. Jesus, from the very beginning, is showing us, I am food. And then later, Jesus says 
that if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, no life. You have no life. You have no relationship with me. And so, my brothers and sisters, there is no Jesus without the Eucharist. So we can't have a relationship with Jesus. We can't get any closer to Jesus than in the Eucharist. So many, of, many people say to me, Father, I don't really need to go to church to be a good person. I can be a good person. I can do good deeds. Of course. Yeah, many people do wonderful, beautiful, holy acts. However, can you and I do any good without God? Can we call ourselves good without Jesus? No. So how can we not have a relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist and still call ourselves good? We can't. Because we can't be good without Jesus. And without Jesus, without the Eucharist, we don't have Jesus. You see how that works, my brothers and sisters? That's why it is so important for us to continuously feed on Jesus, to eat him, to receive him. I mean, if I were to eat a burger each and every day, I would basically become a burger, <laughs> right? I mean, you become what you eat, right? It's the same thing. When we receive Jesus, he's transforming us. He's transforming us into himself because the third way of incarnation, God becoming flesh, needs to happen where God wants to take flesh in you and I. God wants to take flesh in me through my words, through my actions, through my family. God isn't far from our families. God isn't far from us. We, oh, you know, some people say, Father, I can't walk into church. I'll burn if I walk into church. No. God wants to live in each and every one of us. It doesn't matter what our sins look like. Now, we like to play the whole like, you know, I think God isn't that person. I don't know about that person, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? God's in this person. I don't know about that person. No. God is in each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form. And so God wants to make himself Available. God wants to make himself present through each and every one of us, by our words, by our actions, with the way that we talk, the way that we treat one another. And sometimes we can forget that the way that we treat one another is ultimately the way that we are treating who? God. It's very easy for us to forget that. It's very easy for us to, to forget how our little words, or our little actions, the little things that we can do can actually change people's lives and make God present. This morning, I was actually sitting in the chapel, and I was questioning whether or not I should talk about Jesus in the Eucharist. I was like, I don't know if I should talk about this. You know, I don't know. I, I was unsure. Within seconds, you guys, I got a text message from a friend of mine who sent me a message about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. A quote. As I was sitting there questioning, See, a simple text message. He has no idea. He just sent a simple text message that he probably got. He forwarded it. And right there, that was God through my neighbor speaking to me, affirming to me, I am with you. I'm listening to you. I'm taking care of you. Now, it could be difficult to believe that because sometimes we don't treat each other like Jesus is in one another. Sometimes we hurt one another. 
Sometimes we disrespect one another. Sometimes we can do things that we didn't mean to do. But it's not Jesus sometimes. And so we can even want to say, you know, what's the point of being good anymore? What's the point of trying to be God to one another? Well, Mother Teresa answers that question. I want to read a very beautiful, very powerful quote that I think is very necessary for us to remember. She says this. She says, people are oftentimes very unreasonable and illogical and very self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish and having ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may still cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, people may be jealous of you. Be joyful anyway. The good that you do today, people will forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. You see, in the final analysis, my brothers and sisters, it was between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. So my brothers and sisters, God, God wants to make himself present each and every day in the Eucharist and in, in each and every one of us. But we have to make a response like the shepherds today. What they do? After hearing the message, what did they do? It says, they ran in haste to go look for Jesus. Or will we be like maybe the innkeepers who just said, you know what? We don't have any room here. We don't have room for Jesus. We don't have room for Mary and Joseph. Many of us today, I don't have time. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to pray. I'm very busy. But we know, my brothers and sisters, we know deep in our hearts that there's always more that we can do to allow Jesus in. And we need Jesus. We need him. I plead, I beg with you, my brothers and sisters, run to Jesus, allow him in. And see, see how God will make himself present in your life. And when he does it in us, the darkness in this world will begin to fade in and through us, with him, through him, and in him. Merry Christmas to all of you, and may the light and the joy of peace uh, and, and peace of Christ reign in your homes and in your hearts. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.